Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Caught at the 20. Racing near sideline 10. Turn of the 5. Touchdown Raiders. The crowd applauds because Las Vegas just win, baby. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. On Sunday, the Raiders will host the New England Patriots at Allegiant Stadium. Coming up at 3.30, we'll talk to Nicole Yang, Patriots reporter from the Boston Globe, get a little bit of a preview of New England, who's actually in Arizona practicing and preparing for this game. Joining us now on the phone lines is Eric Galco, Director of Football Operations, Player Personnel, East-West Shrine Bowl, and the East-West Shrine Bowl game will take place on February 2nd, also at Allegiant Stadium. And Eric, thanks so much for your time this afternoon, and I remember the East-West Shrine Bowl last year at Allegiant Stadium. It was a lot of fun. How exciting is it for it to be returning to Las Vegas this year? You know, it's great. Las Vegas was an awesome spot for a college all-star game, and this year our players are Excited to come to Las Vegas, the, the best stadium in the NFL. Get a chance to play in front of all three Purdue NFL GMs during the week of practice in Dave Bay. How big is these uh, showcases, including the East-West Shrine Bowl game that has been going on forever? This is, what, the 98th year of it? So how big are these for these college prospects to try to get there uh, to solidify their draft spot? No, I, I think for probably 80%, 90% of these players and for the respective NFL teams that might draft them, it's probably the most important part of their NFL draft process entirely more important for most players at the NFL combine or their pro days or workouts because it's a chance for these guys to kind of first and foremost be alongside their peers, right, going rep after rep with if you're an SEC player or a small school player, you get the same reps, you get the same type of corners or offensive linemen or defensive linemen, et cetera. I think also it's a chance for NFL executives who maybe have been watching games casually during the football season now finally see these guys up close and personal and kind of see who they want to have be their early round draft picks, the draft picks late in the draft, maybe guys they want to sign afterwards too. So, again, probably most players in the entire draft process, the Shrine Bowl, the top all-star game, will be the most important part of the NFL draft process. We're thankful it's in Las Vegas. You know, and I don't know the exact numbers, and you may or may but not know, I'm not sure, but there, I feel like there was at least like five or six guys that were highly drafted that came out of the Shrine Bowl from last season, if I'm correct. Yeah, it was the most uh, highly touted draft uh, in Shrine Bowl in the last 20 years at least. And this year we should double that amount of players drafted the first couple rounds, drafted up the draft as well too. So we're expecting 60-plus players to be draft picks, probably 10, 15 of those guys to be the top 100 picks. You'll see a lot of those guys. We have two of the guys from last year, Isaiah Pacheco and Ryan Stonehouse, up for Pro Bowl honors as rookies. So a lot of good players last year, a lot of guys in the top 100 picks, and more of that to come in Las Vegas this year. You know, and there'll be one that uh, we'll see up close to personal on Sunday. Tyquan Thornton plays for the uh, for yeah. the, Ra- the Patriots, and he was drafted in the second round by New England. So, uh, yeah, he was also in attendance of the East-West Shrine Bowl game. Again, we're talking with Eric Galco here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Damon's got one for you. Yeah, well, you just mentioned two of the players there. UNQ did as well with Pacheco and Tyquan Thornton. When After the game happens, do you, or do you stay in contact with the scouts and maybe they tell you how a player is rising or falling after their performance in the Shrine Bowl? Well, the best part of my job is I touch with these players after the game as well, too. So I still talk to guys like Tyquan and Isaiah Pacheco nice. and a lot of those players to see how they're doing as well, too. But, you know, it's, it's, it's such a unique event. It's such a unique part of the draft process because not only is it the most important, it's also really the first, right? These guys are kind of still college players, but left college. They're kind of becoming pros, but not quite there. So it's this great kind of doorway into not only the draft process, but the rest of their NFL careers. And I think a lot of these guys and a lot of NFL scouts will leave the Shrine Bowl kind of still formulating opinions. You know, by the NFL Combine, 
it's kind of they, they know who these guys are and they're surprised or not by athletic testing. But really, the, the Shrine Bowl is kind of the last kind of real game, real event for NFL scouts, NFL executives to really have a good pulse of who these guys are moving forward. So talk to a lot of NFL personnel before, during, and especially afterwards as they kind of figure out, hey, we like this guy at the Shrine Bowl. How much do we like him? Where do we want to draft this kind of guy? And do you already have a list of names of former players that are going to be helping and assisting with the coaching for this year's Shrine Bowl? So this year, our, uh, a little bit of change. Uh, the Shrine Bowl will be coached by two full NFL coaching staff. Wow. So we'll be coached by, hypothetically, the Houston Texans, the Chicago Bears, or the Detroit Lions, and the Las Vegas Raiders. There'll right. be two, two teams that don't make the playoffs, so hopefully at the Raiders. Two teams that don't make the playoffs that want to coach the Shrine Bowl will be out there all year long, too. So I'm sure we'll have a lot of former Shrine Bowlers in the in the coaching range, uh, and whatever team comes to the Shrine Bowl, but no matter what, we'll have two full NFL staff coaching our players here. It's a great opportunity for our guys to kind of be evaluated, coached by, and, and in the mindset of the NFL player for that week. That is awesome. I mean, that really is. What an opportunity, like you said, for the players. I mean, you're literally being coached up by NFL coaches. That's, that's going to be a fantastic event, again, going on at Allegiant Stadium on February 2nd. Matter of fact, tickets are on sale right now. You can go ahead and get them. I'll let you know how to do that a little bit later. Eric Galco is our, our guest right now here on Radio Nation Radio 920. How do you select the players? I know it's not just anyone could come to the Shrine Bowl. So what do you guys go through? What's the process of selecting the players that could participate? Yeah, we've got a great staff uh, of, of up-and-coming scouts as well as two former NFL GMs and executives on our scouting team. I, myself, watch a lot of film and, and then additionally talk to college personnel at every college and from the Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama, TCUs, on the small schools as well to try to make sure we're doing our due diligence. Then, of course, work with NFL personnel about making sure we have the best 130 players there at the Shrine Bowl every year, too. So it's an ongoing process. and. With NIL on the transfer portal, it's been yeah. a little more difficult. Guys have a little more options, um, a few more options to kind of consider, but it's been, been fun every year to kind of work with NFL personnel and kind of put the pieces together of who they want to see, which guys want to come to the Shrine Bowl, and then which guys our team and our staff like as well. And this year we've got some awesome players so far, guys like Zay Flowers at Boston College. He'll be a first-round pick. He'll be coming out there. Aiden O'Connell at Purdue, viewed by most NFL teams as an early-round quarterback. Well, I think will be a second, maybe third-round pick at worst. Um, Luke Schoonmaker of Michigan, he'll be in the national championship game. He'll be at the Shrine Bowl. Jake Moody, the kicker from Michigan, one of the best mm. kickers, if not the best kicker in the country, he'll be out there. So a lot of really good players you'll see in bowl season and certainly the national championship game coming to the Shrine Bowl as well. You know, Eric, I'm glad you mentioned the NIL and transfer portal because I, I just wanted to know yeah. what the landscape of college football looks like from your pers- you know, point of view when they have these different options now. Some guys choose to stay in college a little bit longer because they have NIL, but how have you seen kind of the landscape of college football change? Yeah, I think, I think my peers in the NFL, the NFL scouting team, may not agree with me. I love it. You know, I love that a guy is debating between – coming out for the draft and being a pro and making you know a lot of career life-changing money or staying at school and getting his degree and also making some money along the way, too. So mm-hmm. I love it. I talk to a lot of these kids about decisions to come out for the draft or transfer or come to the Shrine Bowl. And I, again, my, my job is, is easy compared to them. Right? I'm, I'm making, I can move on to the next guy. They're making a big <laughs> life decision. So yeah. I love the fact that these players have a lot of options. I think it's confusing for a lot of guys. And I think currently for a lot of players, colleges, um, you know, agents out there to try to help these players. It's it's confusing. I think it'll eventually kind of become normal and a little bit easier for guys. But right now, uh, it's generally for these guys, there's a lot of good options, whether it being pro, transferring, staying at school, getting NIL money. I think it's it's all good for these guys now, which is a great feeling to be a part of. 
Was Tom Brady versus Brock Purdy the biggest Shrine Bowl quarterback matchup you've seen in the NFL? <laughs> uh, probably that I've seen, yeah. I mean, the Shrine Bowl's been around for 100 years, and we've had most, many of the Hall of Fame quarterbacks, right, that have been in the NFL Hall of Fame, too. But I think Brock Purdy and, and Tom Brady matchup was so indicative of those two guys and so many reasons, right? For one, Brock Purdy was three weeks old when Tom Brady played the Shrine Bowl, right? So their careers couldn't be any different, but both guys were picked in the late rounds. Both guys were put into action after an injury. Both guys looked well beyond their years as a starter. And, again, I, I know people in San Francisco, I think that Brock Purdy can win a Super Bowl this year. That team plays well-rounded. He's got that kind of confidence, that kind of moxie. Again, not dissimilar what Tom Brady had in his career at Illinois. So, I think it was an awesome juxtaposition between those two guys. I'm sure Tom Brady was surprised. He got beat by Brock Purdy 35-7. to But I can tell you that you know Tom was not looking at Brock Purdy as something less than. He's probably seen that before and himself back in 1999-2000. Wow, because so, I've got to ask, when you see a player like Brock Purdy have such a good game, I'm not trying to make this the Brock Purdy show, but can you see, like, hey, he had those intangibles in the Shrine Bowl? Yeah, you know, what, one quick Brock Purdy story is, is I try to be a pretty – pretty loose and, and not too serious about anything I do in my life and especially in this kind of process and I remember talking to Brock and most of the guys that are at the Shrine Bowl it's, it's fun we're in Vegas it's going to be awesome Brock only took notes his wow. whole football life his whole football career was going to be very serious he is dead set on being as good a player as possible so all these guys were where can I go can I get a drink here meet my agent here whatever else he was locked in the entire before getting the Shrine Bowl I could tell right away okay this guy is is wired differently and you know, the great quarterbacks, the great players in the NFL, they're all a little bit weirdly obsessed about being great, and very, very few guys have that. I'm not going to name names. Maybe one or two guys in the Shrine Bowl really, really had that, and Brock was one of them. So I'm not saying I called Brock Purdy. We did invite him, though, so I get a little bit credit on that one. <laughs> That's right. I'm not saying I knew he was going to be a star, but I definitely knew that he's going to be an NFL quarterback for at least a little while. It looks like he's earned himself a very long career in the NFL already. I'll tell you what, man. you got to take the victories when you can get them, Eric. Take the victories I'll while you can it. get them. I'll take them. <laughs> Eric Galco is our guest. And now, Eric, it's more than just a, a football showcase, though. And when I was there last year through practice and for the game, I was able to see the players interact with, uh, you know, with a, a whole lot of other people that were participating and what the Shriners Bowl is all about. So just tell us a little bit about the whole event and what it goes to and, you know, what money goes to. And, and just, again, it's, it's a really good cause. Yeah, the Shrine, the Shrine Bowl is all about raising awareness uh, for the Shriners Children's, uh, which is a, a fantastic hospital system that treats all kind of patients regardless of their ability to, to pay um, all across North America. And it's fun for me, especially because my focus is so much on the football piece and the NFL piece. And our players are laser-focused when they get there on a Thursday, interviews NFL teams Friday, Saturday, Sunday, practice, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, meeting, etc., and then on the Wednesday before our game, we have what we call media day. Chance for these players who have been locked out of their careers for so long and, and at their absolute physical best, meeting our Shriners patients at media day, uh, doing events with them, doing kind of like mutual athletic events, and kind of see how these these patients are living with their um, issues that they've lived with their whole life, and how these athletes can kind of really appreciate where these patients have come from and. You know, the best part of my week last year and, and talking to most players even before I took over at the Shrine Bowl, their favorite part of the week was me because they get over the NFL. Did we lose them? Oh, there he is. Again, 130 of 130 players last year, their favorite part of the week 
with that media day, meeting these patients, interact with them too. A lot of our patients have still, I'm sorry, a lot of our players have stayed in touch with patients. Uh, one of our players last year, the Darian Lowe from Minnesota Vikings, made his My Cause, My, uh, my Cleats, My Cause, uh, the Shriners Hospital for Children. Wow. This year already, as a, you know, his first year being with the Shrine Bowl last year. So it really is an awesome experience for these players, and it's really impressionable for these players and these patients. And, again, that's why, why I do it, why we're all here for the Shrine Bowl. It's awesome. It really is. And like I said, being there at practice for media day and checking that out, seeing the interaction, you could just see. And I talked to plenty of players, and they were like, hey, this is, this is what it's all about. They really appreciated having that opportunity uh, to talk to the patients, and I uh, thought that that was really cool. So, Eric, fantastic stuff, man. I look forward to uh, interacting with you again when you guys get here to Vegas. And uh, I'll be there and be checking out everything going on. And uh, like I said, we'll make sure to let everyone know that tickets are on sale right now, where to get them, and how to get them. Sounds good, guys. Appreciate it, guys. Go Raiders. There you go, Eric Galco right there. Fantastic stuff, director of football operations, player personnel, East-West Shrine Bowl. He does a great job with all that. Uh, He's been covering the league and covering uh, college athletes going into the NFL for a very long time, one of the sharper NFL minds that that are out there, or football minds that are out there. So it's always great to get him for a few minutes. I had a couple more questions to mom, but it sounded like his phone was starting to break up, and so I didn't want to – I didn't. I wanted to. I didn't want to get. Uh, I didn't want to get too greedy. You know, I'm always greedy, but I didn't want to get too greedy as that tends to happen. Three fourteen is the time. The question we threw out there to you: Who is the player or players that you believe will have the biggest impact in the game on Sunday? You can hit us up at six nine one eight seven keyword R and R. That's the don'tbebroke.com text line, and also the phone line is seven zero two three six five ninety two hundred. This is Radio Nation Radio nine twenty. Now back to unnecessary roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Earlier today, we found out that Lester Cotton, guy who got a lot of conversation about him in the offseason, training camp preseason, was waived by the Raiders. Definitely believe that their new guard that they picked up from the Denver Broncos, that at some point I'll learn how to say his name really clearly, uh, Natani Moody. <laughs> he's from Fresno State. I think he's going to get some action. I think we expect to see him get some real burn come Sunday. And look, I know the guy's a big dude. I know he's a strong dude. He had injuries in college that made him drop, but... We talked to Brandon Cristal earlier from KOA in Colorado, and he said, man, if, if he can put it all together with what he has, the Raiders might have a steal right there. So someone to pay attention to, and they've got four games to kind of get him out there, showcase him, and see you know, if he's got something. If he does, maybe they are onto something. And then if he doesn't, maybe they're not. It's similar to the situation with Jerry Tillery. We've been talking about the last few weeks. You know, They picked him up off waivers from the Chargers and gave him a shot. And he had looked really good until until he didn't, until he made that boneheaded uh, mistake that he made on, on Thursday night against the Rams, which was, you know, really inexcusable. You can't can't make an excuse for it. And I really honestly tried to make an excuse for him uh, right after it happened. I thought it was no big deal until, you know, you actually kind of go back and reassess the situation and realize what he really did and what it really meant and, and how, how big of a penalty it was. So uh, Jerry Tillery, I guess, has got a lot of work to do to – kind of get back in the good graces, I guess, with the coaching staff. I would think that he has to have a lot of work to do, but maybe they just said, hey, that's that's the guy he is. He's going to happen there once in a while, but he's got four games as well to prove who he could be. But the question that we threw out there to you, the 69187 keyword R&R, it's our don'tbebroke.com text line, and, of course, our listener line is 702-365-9200. Who's the player of players you believe will have the biggest impact in this game on Sunday? And Brad, Brad from the Bay Area, hit us up on our text line. Regarding your question, I just feel like if anyone's going to have a difference-making day, it's going to be Carr. We've seen him play on fire when his back is against the wall or has a horrible performance prior. We know what he could do with a chip on his shoulder. 
He has priors for this and lights things up under unexpected circumstances. I hope he doesn't make me eat my words, but that's just a feeling I get when asking about the player's response to everything this weekend. So he's on the train when it comes to Derek Carr. Sir Whiskey Ray, I too want to see a hero game from D.C. here versus the Patriots on Sunday. I'm not quitting on this team. Uh, Statistically, we're still alive for the playoffs. To be fair, we also need a lot of help from other teams. Let's play one game at a time, but we have to win come Sunday. Okay, I'm headed to my stepson's musical here, so the sipping on the whiskey begins now. That's from Sir Whiskey Ray. Got to go to a musical. I need something to drink. <laughs> that's that's going back to that uh that Jamie Foxx blaming on the al- 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 alcohol. T Pain became a theme of today's show. Let's go out to the phone lines real quick at 702-365-9200. We do have Nicole Yang, Patriots reporter from Boston Globe, coming up in about nine minutes. Little Dickie, you're up. What's on your mind? Welcome to the show. Hey, man. What up, Q? Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Oh, man. Uh, so funny, you know, your last uh, your last guest was a talent agent or agent, right? Yeah, yeah, Eric Galco, uh, yep. Yeah, so I'm an upcoming agent, and I have a, um, a team of guys that are trying to get on the map, you know, I just wonder, I know you're like the programming director, right, at Raider Nation Radio? Yep. Is that correct? Yep. So yep. W- what goes into the decisions? I, I, I just want to relay this back to my clients at the SoCal Raider Report. I want to relay back to them, what goes into your decision on, on how, do you, how do you program a show? For instance, like, say your morning show. <laughs> like, how, what goes into the decision on, on who goes on that show in the morning? All right, th- thank you, thank you for the call. And I, I mean, I don't want to get into boring radio talk on the radio while we're doing a show. Uh, there's a lot that goes into it, though. You know, there's a lot of decisions on who's going to either get along or who's going to have good conversations with who, who has, you know, who has good knowledge of the game, who has good knowledge of, you know, the 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 team, uh, who's you know, who's reliable. There's a lot. I mean, I, like I said, I could bore everybody with three, four, five hours of conversation about what goes into this and what goes into that. Um, but uh, we, we could discuss that, man. You shoot me an email or something, we can, we, can really, uh, we can really get down and have some good conversation. But thank you uh, so much for that. Quick, you're up next. What's on your mind, brother? To know what time it is. Yeah. Y'all talking about that quarterback again. Let's leave that dead. You know he ain't doing nothing. <laughs> Let's depend on the defense this weekend again to shut things down and get Max rolling again. I would love to see Chandler show up again. You know, maybe at some point this season and possibly get those maybe an interception or a turnover at some point. But we both know that's not really the thing that the Raiders do. So that is what it is in that sense. I think what I'm looking for this weekend is just not to get embarrassed again, because the last couple of losses have been so embarrassing that I can hardly stomach it. You know, expecting D.C. to change who he is after nine seasons Y'all better get another player of the week because I just don't see that going down. You know who else needs to have a good game and not act like he forgot where it come from? It's Josh McDaniels. Can we get some more creativity to beat the big dog Bill B? Because I just don't see it right now, my man. Uh, Q ball, y'all have a good one. I'll talk to you in a minute. All right, thank you for the call. And you know that's that's fair. You know who's a player or players that you believe could have a biggest impact on this game? Maybe it's not a player at all. Maybe it's a coach. Maybe Coach McDaniel's got to get into his bag. And, and, you know, the thing about it is, and, again, I think it's a really good comment, and the reason I think it is because I'm not too sure how much of his bag he's going into right now, right? I mean, because everything that we heard going into the season is how 
you know, deep and detailed his playbook is. I'm, I'm interested if, if I can have a conversation, just sit down with him and ask him, and he would just tell me, you know, 100% truth. I'm interested on, on how much of the playbook he's using right now because it's not the whole thing. I can guarantee you that. There's no way that the team knows the whole playbook already. But I'm, I'm interested. I think it's a fair conversation, you know, how much of it is he using. I know Vinny brings it up quite a bit where he says that, you know, you can't just – Go and do everything. You got to make sure these guys know how to walk before they run. They got to be able to run before they can sprint. I mean, all that good stuff. And and it is a process. And again, I hate using that p word because nobody wants to hear it. Raider fans have been like, wait a minute, hold on. <laughs> been going through like uh, Raider Al said yesterday on the text line. Hey Q, we've been going through this process for twenty something years. Yeah, you're right. And that's what it is about being a fan. <laughs> right? You're there for every free agent that worked out, every free agent that didn't work out. You're there for every draft pick that worked out, every draft pick that didn't work out. You're there for every coach that was great and every coach that was bad. I mean, that's that's what it is when it comes to being a fan, right? I mean, that's just that's just what it is. And I don't think there's anyone who's, you know, a bigger fan than the others. Uh, everyone shows their fandom in their own way, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But, yeah, I, I'd be interested, man. I really would to be – to wonder how much of the playbook Josh McDaniels is actually using right now and how much is he willing to use in the last four weeks. You know, it could be one of those scenarios where he uses, sorry, I'm just going to use this for the rest of the season and then continue to build on that. I don't know. Again, I'm, I'm, I don't want to speak for him. I'm just trying to, like, scatter shoot and just kind of throw some, some ideas back and forth on what he could possibly be doing. But thank you, Quick, for that call, my man. It's always great to hear from you. I do appreciate you. 702-365-9200. We also got our dopeybroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. We got one from Clark and Sam Mateo. Say, Q and D, who is even left at guard? Big uglies are dropping like flies. And uh, thank you, Clark, for that. I do appreciate you. And that's why uh, I was talking to Brad Cristal from uh, KOA Colorado to talk about Natani Moody because I think that there's a chance that he's going to play. You know, because they did pick him up off the practice squad for the Denver Broncos. When you do that, when you pick up anyone off the practice squad, you have to immediately put them on the active roster. Let's go out to uh, the phone lines one more time and talk to Raider Joe in Vegas. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? How you doing, Q? I wanted to ask a question. Uh, Maybe if DeMond can answer and maybe you can weigh in. Uh, On on these next four games that we got going on, uh, we're going to get Renfro back. We're going to get Waller back. We got the best running back in the league. We got Devontae. <clears throat> Carr is going to step up, I'm thinking. So if everything's, if everything lines up the way it should be, as everybody thought we we're going to be the whole season with all these guys front row, can we put a 50-burger on any of these four teams coming up? I mean, do you think Josh McDaniels, can put the pedal to the metal and just let the NFL say, okay, guys, this is our team. We got everybody here. We can put, we can score and put a 50 burger on any of these four remaining teams that we have, or it's impossible. What do you guys think? Thank you for the call. Tomorrow. Yeah, that was uh, that. I did not know that's where he was going to go, but my answer is going to be no. You can always say, Hey, anything is possible. But just looking at it, I don't know if Derek Carr has ever scored 50 points as a starting quarterback at all. So uh, my sure, answer is going to be sure no. Fresno, I'm sure at Fresno State they did. But in, in the NFL, I mean, look, it took overtime to get in the 40s, right? Isn't that what the uh, final score was against Seattle? Was that in the 40s? There was, I think they got 40 one time this year. 50 is, is an incredible number. I don't, see, um, I don't see too many 50s in the league. Um, I would say that you get the, the Raiders around 30. 32 points a game, I think that that's fair, right? Around that 30-something, asking anything more than 30-something points, that's 
that's that's just asking for way too much. I, I don't see that happening. Not with the uh, the Patriots defense, especially not with the 49ers defense coming up. Hell, the Steelers got a really good defense, and um, and Kansas City they're not going to put 50, Kansas City might try to put fifty up on the Raiders, but the Raiders ain't going to put up fifty points on Kansas City. So no, I don't see any of that happening. But thank you for the call, Raider Joe. I do appreciate you coming up next. Nicole Yang, Patriots reporter from the Boston Globe. This is Raider Nation Radio nine twenty. It's unnecessary roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Cole Yang, Patriots reporter for the Boston Globe, will join us in a matter of minutes to talk all things Patriots. We do want to hear from you. We got plenty of text to get to at six nine one eight seven keyword R and R. Don't be broke. com text line. Who is a player or players that you believe will have the biggest impact in the game on Sunday? Got tons of text to get to. Got this one from uh, Rip from Vegas. <laughs> Has to be Josh McDaniels. We're going to see what kind of coach and man Josh McDaniels is this Sunday when he goes up against his mentor. If he comes out and plays a conservative game, he isn't coaching. He isn't the coach that the Raider Nation needs. He has to come come out and go full-fledged haywire and do whatever he can completely uh, do to annihilate the New England Patriots. So there you go. Rip in Vegas said Josh McDaniels. We definitely appreciate that. Uh, also... Uh, Oral, the comedian. We got some great names around here. Oral, the comedian from the 202 said, everyone needs to understand we only passed the ball seven times in the second half. Carr can't have a monster game without with that type of play calling. I'm looking for Adams to have a bounce back game. And uh, yeah, there wasn't very many pass attempts in the second half of that game against the Rams. And I still not too sure exactly why that was. I know Josh McDaniel said that there were some other calls that were dialed up, but then Derek had to run. Because he didn't have uh, he didn't have the time in the pocket, but it just seemed like there was a lack of play calling or offensive play calls when it came well passing play calls I should say when it came to the offense. So we'll see. But thank you, uh, Oral the comedian. Uh, appreciate you. Got a text from the three three zero Hobbs with two picks. So that simple. Hobbs with two picks is the player or players that uh, that my guy please will have the biggest impact in the game on Sunday. And I'll say. We haven't talked a lot about Nate Hobbs. It was good to see him back against the Chargers at Allegiant Stadium. He looked like he was really good and playing really physical and really was a key piece of that defense that, that they really needed. But on Thursday against the Rams, man, I don't know if it was because it was a short week and he was fatigued like other players were fatigued, and especially since it was his first game back. I'm not too sure. But he, he looked like he was a step behind. He didn't look like he was quite right where he needed to be uh, with all the – all the wide receivers every time he was in coverage. So I'm hoping to see a bounce-back game, to be 100% honest, when it comes to Nate Hobbs. Let's go out to the phone lines right now, bringing our next guest, Nicole Yang, Patriots reporter from the Boston Globe. And, Nicole, thanks so much for your time. We do appreciate you. Let's start off at the top. How are the Patriots looking as far as injuries go? Because I know they have a bunch of guys that have been banged up and trying to battle their way back. Yeah, that's definitely my biggest concern heading into this game. Ramondre Stevenson, actually a Las Vegas native, he's probably – the guy that I think will be the biggest loss for them. He suffered that ankle injury last week and hasn't practiced yet. Devontae Parker also hasn't practiced, but the Patriots wide receivers have been a little inconsistent, so that one I'm not as concerned about. Isaiah Wynn also hasn't practiced, and rookie cornerback Jack Jones hasn't practiced, and then they have a bunch of guys limited, so they're definitely banged up right now. What is the deal, Nicole, with uh, Isaiah Wynn? He was a guy that early, even before the season started, I felt like was kind of on the trade blocks, and everyone kept talking about he was on his way out of there, and then he's not, and then he's playing, then he's not. And so what, what's been kind of what's been everything that you, you've been seeing on Isaiah Wynn this year? 
Yeah, Isaiah has definitely had a tough season. I think if the Patriots could do it again, they wouldn't pick up his fifth-year option. Uh, the past two years just haven't really been great on the field. You can see he's responsible for a lot of sacks. He just struggles in pass protection, and he's also been injured. So I think he was on the trade block just because it hasn't really been working out. But at the same time, the Patriots don't really have better alternatives at tackle. And <laughs> Macro has talked about this, how tackle depth is just kind of difficult to come across throughout the league. So they kept him, I think, out of necessity, and it proved to be worth it because the Patriots have dealt with injuries across the line, and Isaiah has been necessary. And he's had a little bit more luck when he's moved on the interior. He filled in at guard for a little bit, and that seemed to go a bit better. But overall, just a tough season. I think they tried trading him, but also... I don't know how many teams are interested based on his performance either. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. you got to have two to be able to make a trade. Again, we're talking with Nicole Yang here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And necessary roughness talking about the Patriots headed to Allegiant Stadium on Sunday. Let's stick with the offensive line, a guy that Raider Nation is very familiar with, and obviously the Patriots are as well, Trent Brown. Um, did I read the report correctly that he was sick the last few weeks and lost like 12 pounds or something? How's he doing? Yes, so Trent told us yesterday that he lost 12 pounds while he had the flu. And that might be an explanation because he was definitely the weakest link in the already pretty inconsistent offensive line on Monday. He was definitely struggling. And so he says that he's on track to be back at 100%. Um, But yeah, Trent... Trent has had a good season in that he's been on the field and been available because that's been the issue in years past. So he's Mm -hmm. been fighting through it. And I think the illness sort of contextualizes his poor performance on Monday. But he says that he will be ready to go on Sunday. You know, it's funny with him. He seems like he's a guy that the Patriots are comfortable with letting him walk and then just letting him come back. Like, I mean, they get him from San Francisco. (laughs) He leaves, goes to Vegas, returns to the Patriots. Then he's in free agency. looks like he's going to end up back in San Francisco or or Seattle. And then he's back with the Patriots. It just seems like they're like, hey, Trent, we're here if you need us. If not, then you could could go somewhere else. It's kind of like the, you know, throw him out and he comes back home and it's to Trent Brown. Is that kind of how the story of his career with New England has been? Yeah, I think that's somewhat common with Patriots. It's sort of like Jamie Collins followed a similar trajectory. We'll let other teams pay you, and then if it doesn't work out and you want to come back, you're welcome, but we're not going to pay you the monster deals. Yeah, no, they they didn't, and the, and the Raiders did. Again, Nicole Yang is our <laughs> guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Go ahead, Damon. Yeah, you mentioned how Trent Brown has kind of been a weak link on this Patriots offensive line. Can you tell me about the bright spots on it and maybe if that first-round pick, Cole Strange, has been working out for the Patriots? So Trent has been a weak spot lately, but he he actually has been pretty good leading up to the past few weeks. I mean, the Patriots offensive line has just been up and down throughout the year. Some of it is due to injury, like David Andrews has missed time. Uh, Cole Strange has got off to a good start and then hit a little bit of a rookie wall and had to be benched at points in the middle of the season, but he's sort of finding his ground. Michael Nwenu is the only player on the team that's played 100% of the offensive snaps this year, so he's been great at right guard, but they've just used so many different combinations in the past uh, like second half of the season. I think weeks one through six, they use the same combo, and then since, it's just been a bunch of shuffling. Connor McDermott has taken snaps, and he just signed with the team in November. So it's a bit of a mess, and you can kind of tell in their play calling that they know it's a mess because I don't know if you saw on Monday 
they ran like 12 screen passes yeah. uh, against the Cardinals. And that's just such a high number. And I think it's because they don't trust their pass protection. Oh, that's exactly what I was going to ask you about next. Because of all of the screen passes that they did run on Monday against the Cardinals and Mac Jones chirping at Matt Patricia, do you think that they're going to let him air it out some more, or more just to prove it to him? Hey, if this is what you want to do, but maybe it's not as effective of a game plan of what the weapons that they have right now with the Patriots. I don't think that they would let him air it out just to prove a point. I think they kind of tried to prove their point with the 12 screen passes on Monday, showing him like, and showing the offense and the team, like this is what works. I think there's a lot going on with this offense. It's pretty dysfunctional. They haven't looked consistent. They just haven't really asserted themselves in any game with Mac as quarterback. Um, But I think a lot of it is because of the offensive line. I don't think it's necessarily because of Mac or because, and sometimes the play calling is very questionable, but I think a lot of the decisions are related to the difficulties with the offensive line. Like if they can't pass protect, that really limits what they can run. What do you expect them to do on Sunday as far as offensively? How do you expect them to attack the Raiders defense? So that's a very interesting question because Ramondre is likely not going to play based on his practice status. And he has been such a integral part to the offense he's by far their most dynamic weapon Damian Harris I think will be back but we're not sure he's also missed the past two games and he's back to limited now so if the Patriots run game can't really get going then I think uh it's going to be challenging they rank at the bottom of the league in passing touchdowns they rank at the bottom of the league in a lot of offensive statistics and Kevin Harris and Pierre Strong the two rookies fared well against the Cardinals so we'll see if they can repeat that performance against the Raiders but their already struggling offense is going to be even more limited personnel wise so it's a fact everyone would like to know the answer to that question because it's really (laughs) unknown right now without knowing who's going to be available Talking all things Patriots right now with Nicole Yang here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And I say roughness, one more question about the offense. Mac Jones, uh, he had a really good rookie year. Joshua Daniels was still the OC then. And this year he's, you know, been injured and then, you know, kind of inconsistent. Do you, does anyone feel like that this has been a step back for Mac Jones? Anyone concerned about, you know, him continuing to grow as a young quarterback? Uh, I think definitely. I think that's the conversations you see, um, especially – with the poor offensive numbers. I think you look at Mac's individual numbers and his completion percentage is still good, but there are times where he just makes really poor decisions. And the interceptions have declined since the beginning. Like at the beginning of the year, he was definitely a little bit more loose with the ball and throwing um, some just really ill-advised picks. And those have definitely stopped, it seems. But I would say that most people would agree that Mac has regressed this year and it's hard though to tell if that's what is responsible for that again the poor O-line play the introduction of a new coaching tandem would Mac be going through these struggles if Josh were still here so it's definitely difficult to say but there's no doubt that he has his performance has regressed since that impressive rookie year it's just a matter of okay, why is that the case? And if 
a few changes, like, okay, they get a better O-line or they make some changes with the coaching staff if next year he can bounce back and look more like the quarterback he was in 2021. Moving on to the defense, I don't know if you guys that cover the Patriots have noticed a correlation or it's just a coincidence, but in all of the six losses that the Patriots have, they've allowed 20 or more points. Is that something that you've noticed that, hey, if the Patriots, you can get 20 or more on them, you got a good shot to win the game? Yeah, I, I would say that that's true just because of how poor their offense is and how also how poorly they've performed in the red zone. They have problems scoring the ball, so if you can get up um, big early, then chances are you have a pretty good shot of winning. Now, that being said, I know the Raiders have blown, uh, I think, four yep. double digits. On it. Yeah, <laughs> yep, so maybe that's this it. Is the <laughs> maybe this is the team where, okay, that type of lead isn't as comfortable. But, yeah, that's usually the formula because, again, too, the Patriots will go as far as their defense takes them. So, if the defense isn't able to sort of do their part, then it's very unlikely that the offense can go like toe-to-toe or head-to-head in a shootout. And, and I wanted to ask you about that defense because they've been, they've been fantastic as far as I'm concerned, watching from a distance. And they score points. They create a bunch of turnovers. They get points off of turnovers. What has been the key to that defense success? Because they have been successful this year. Yeah, I think they just have a great mix of veteran and young talent. And I think a huge part of it, and Bill has said this from training camp, is that secondary with Devin McCourty, Kyle Duggar, Adrian Phillips. They have a very strong safety group. And then on top of that, everyone thought that after J.C. Jackson left, you know, the corners were going to struggle. But Jonathan Jones, Jalen Mills, even Jack Jones, the rookie, they've all been holding their ground and obviously you can't forget um up front Matthew Judon leads the league in sacks so I think it's just they all work together with the pass rush and coverage and it just they are able to force turnovers and uh whenever the Patriots I think win the turnover battle they win the game so it just it just is a great mix yeah, well, they, they create a bunch of turnovers, and like I said, they score points off turnovers, and, and the defense himself finds ways to score as well. Nicole Yang, Patriots reporter from the Boston Globe on Twitter, at Nicole C. Yang. Uh, anything you got coming out on the Boston Globe that we need to pay attention to, maybe get a little bit more insight onto the Patriots? Uh, so I'm doing a story right now on the O-line, so we'll see. That'll be out on Sunday, so. Okay, so to pay attention to, see maybe Max Crosby and Chandler Jones could have a good day, depending on the status of that offensive line. So we'll definitely pay attention to the Boston Globe for that. Nicole, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. I really do appreciate you. Uh, We'll see you Sunday at Allegiant Stadium. Sounds good. Thanks so much for having me, guys. No doubt. Thank you so much. Nicole Yang, Patriots reporter again from the Boston Globe on Twitter, at Nicole C. Yang. And doing a story on the offensive line, it's going to be, you know, the trenches. I always talk about the trenches. Can the offensive line keep keep Mac Jones clean? Can Chandler Jones, can he have a big day? Can Max Crosby eat? Can Jerry Tillery step up to the party and eat as well? We'll find out on Sunday. 346 is the time. Your calls and texts are next. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Been having a fun day. Every day's a fun day here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. Appreciate everyone chiming in on the show, either by the phone line or Twitter. Or our don'tbebroke.com text sign 69187 keyword R&R. We do have tickets for the Las Vegas Bowl on the way. 
a four-pack of tickets so you want to go to Allegiant Stadium Saturday morning, check out Florida and uh, Oregon State. We have tickets to that. That's actually a really early kickoff because the Raider game was flexed from a Sunday night primetime game, which kind of stinks. Uh, I was looking forward to that primetime game. But it got flexed to a 105 kickoff. Of course, you can hear that on uh, Raider Nation Radio 920. But uh, the, the, bowl, the bowl game, the Las Vegas Bowl, has been moved up as well. So it's about 11, what is it, DeMond, like 11.30 kickoff. It's early. Early in the morning. It's, uh, it's going to be going on. When I'm getting my hair cut, the Las Vegas Bowl will be happening. So there's that. But uh, we got tickets to that on the way. But we do want to hear from you, Raider Nation, at 702-365-9200. Also, again, mention the don'tbebroke.com text line, 69187, keyword R&R. Definitely appreciate our good friends at the DLC. The question that we threw out there to you, who is the player or players that you believe will have the biggest impact in this game on Sunday? And, DeMond, we've had a lot of people respond saying Derek Carr, he needs to have that big game. He needs to have that D.C. hero game. We also had my man Quick say D.C.'s not going to be a hero. He doesn't believe that he's going to be a hero. Um, I'm interested to see what kind of game he's going to have, especially if Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro are, are able to return. It'd be great to see him back out there. It would be great to see those guys out there and see what it, can, what it could possibly look like in their first action. You know, I was talking to JT earlier today before the show, before he went on at noon, uh, and he was talking about the fact that a lot of people, and I, I know I've said it myself as well, I don't know what to expect from them in their first game back because, well, you know, they've got to get reacclimated and everything. He said, hey, man, they've already been paid. It's already week 15. I ain't worried about, you know, them getting reacclimated. I'm worried about them going out there and playing. And I think that that's fair. I think that's a fair comment, right? I mean, <laughs> you know, the, the Raiders didn't hold your check until you got comfortable with the system, <laughs> right? And, you know, and, and I don't like to always just go back to, well, they got paid, so they should be performing. But at the end of the day, this is a business, right? The NFL is a, is a business first. So they're getting their checks. So they need to go out there and perform. I'm not saying that they're going to play all 70 snaps if that's what the Raiders have offensively. But whatever they're out there, man, they need to, they need to have it all. If they haven't been able to do physical reps, then this gives them extra time to be in that playbook. Right? If you're not out doing physical reps, it's probably a good opportunity for you being the playbook and learning where you're supposed to be. So there's no question. So there's no running into Devontae Adams in the back of the end zone or running into Devontae Adams on a on a route or whatever the case may be. You know, whoever's fault that was in Kansas City on week five. But I know that, you know, against Tennessee, Darren Waller and, and Devontae Adams were in the same corner of the end zone and Adams was actually out of bounds. So there was a lot of it looked like confusion with the playbook early in the in the season when those guys were all out there together. So now they've had an opportunity to sit back, not do the physical part of it, but do the phys- or do the do the study work, the film work. You know, Deron Harmon talks about the film work all the time. This is just as important as practice, Q. He says it to us all the time. You know, the, that's why I've been in the league as long as I've been. This is Deron Harmon speaking, not me. He's You know, he said it. His film work, his film study, learning everything has allowed him to – be a valuable asset to every team that he's been on because he spends all that time studying. So, you know, it's, it's almost one of those situations where you're in class and you get a test and the teacher's like, well, I'll, I'll know in a minute how much you studied. Right? <laughs> 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 I used to get that, hey, Q, did you do this? Did you do that? Oh, yeah, I studied. Okay, well, we'll find out. Here's a test. And then it came back. Yeah, Q didn't do no studying. He didn't study worth the salt. So, I mean, it's just, that's what it is. But we want to hear from you, Raider Nation, 702-365-9200. Let's go out to Vegas, talk to our guy, Jared. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, what's going on, Q? Chilling, man. Yeah, you know what? I got I got four. I got I got okay. the hopeful. I'm, okay. I'm hopeful that, that Waller is ready to play because we could sure use some, some of those seam routes that Gronk used to run and drive teams nuts. 
I want to see Josh dial up some of those. I want to see the usual suspect of Max Crosby, hopefully coming out and, I mean, he always shows out, but yeah. maybe get two, three sacks and, and solidify that, that, uh, that defensive player of the year bid. I want to see Denzel Perryman show mm. up big because I know these guys love to run the ball. And if Denzel shows up the way he was during that, during that win streak, man, he's going to shut it down. And last and certainly not least, you brought this cat up, is Deron Harmon. I would love to see him just close the door on the Patriots because you know we only play close games. I want to see them close the door and make Mac be going to the sideline, pouting, throwing his helmet, crying, whatever. Let's make someone else cry for once. Let's make another quarterback cry. We've seen our quarterback cry way too much. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Good stuff. And, you know, I hadn't thought about, uh, you know, Denzel Perriman. And uh, he's always a big factor on that defense. Uh, you know, he's always a big-time player and a contributor. And you can really see when he's going, especially when he's coming downhill, man, he is a he's a force to be reckoned with. And so that that would be good, man, to see some, uh, Patrick Graham send Perriman a few times to get to Mac Jones. Mac Jones ain't eluding just – uh, a lot of different guys, right? I think that Denzel Perriman has a couple of opportunities to get home. Max Crosby uh, continue to be Max Crosby. You know, I said earlier in the week how much I wanted to see Josh Jacobs win that uh, that rushing title, and I do. I really want to see him win that rushing title. That's that's something that I'm looking for the rest of these games. I hope that he's able to play every one of them uh, just because I think that that would be an awesome uh, way to finish off the season. And, of course, it's not about individual records. And Josh Jacobs would tell you himself it's not about an individual record or individual stats or whatever, accomplishments. But just just to to be the guy that he is and to be able to finish off the season uh, strong and, and if you were to end up winning the rushing title, I think it would be great. I really would think it would be great. So I'm hoping that that happens. But, you know, to, to Jared's point, I would love to see Max Crosby get another three or four sacks. He's got 11 and a half, right? He's already had a career high. Why not? Remember we asked in the, in the summertime, what is the realistic numbers? And some people said defensive player of the year. And I said, well, he's got to have a few defensive player of the year moments to be able to win that. And I don't think that he's going to win that title this year. Even if he were to end up with like 15 sacks, I don't think he's going to win it just because of Raiders record. And I'm okay with that. I, you know, and I know that it's, again, it's an individual thing, but I'm okay with, with a, a guy having a hell of a season, but the team not winning. Because again, ultimately at the end of the day, you're trying to win games. Right. So, you know, but if he were to come up with, you know, 13, 14, even 15 sacks, and that's all achievable. I mean, hell, he's only three and a half sacks away from 15. If he were to come up with 15 sacks, that'd be great. Or cause a couple more fumbles. You know, I said I said it early in the week. I think I said it on my podcast as well. The only thing he hasn't done this season is score. That's not out of the question. <laughs> right. The way Max Crosby plays, there's a chance he could score. He could pull the Patriots defense, get a strip sack, recover a fumble. Take it to the house. I mean, something. I can see Max Crosby coming up with a score. I mean, he's done everything else this year. Sacks, pressures, pass defense, kick blocks. I mean, he's done everything. Tackles. He's second on the team with tackles right now. That's incredible. And Divine Diablo, I don't think he's playing anytime soon. So Max Crosby's going to lead the team in tackles. That's just what it's going to be. He's at 73 right now. The team leader's at 74. That's Divine Diablo. He hasn't played in a while, and I don't think he's going to play for a while. So, Jared, good stuff, man. Definitely appreciate that. Let's go ahead and give out some tickets. My man, DeMond, want to make sure to remind me, four-pack of tickets to the Las Vegas Bowl Saturday at Allegiant Stadium. You want them, we want to give them to you. Call number nine is what we're looking for right now, 702-365-9200. Florida, Oregon State, Saturday morning, Allegiant Stadium. The tickets are yours. Hit us up right now. Call number nine on Radio Nation Radio 920.